What's up, everyone? On episode 19 of Thoughts from the Shade, we discuss all things Eagles as they fall to the Chargers. We address the atmosphere, the game itself, and some fan etiquette dilemmas. We'll go around the NFL, college football, plus give our Week 10 college football playoff rankings. We'll send everybody off with some golf talk. First, let me tell you about our friends at Menard Premium Detailing, the best auto detail company in Bucks County where convenience meets luxury. They specialize in detailing luxury vehicles, but the limits are endless. Menard services include protective film, ceramic paint coating, home coatings, caliper paint, and more. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and at MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Also, don't forget this episode is brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Go to ShamrockSun.com and enter promo code SHADE in all caps when you're ready to pull the trigger on one of their big-ass bottles of sunscreen. Now, here we go. All right, welcome back to Thoughts from the Shade. It is Tuesday, November 9th, and we are off another Philadelphia Eagles loss. And our boy Bomb was in the building uh, in the parking lots Sunday afternoon and evening. So we'll just jump right into it, Bomb. How was how was Sunday at the link? Well, for, I just want to set the, set the stage here. Uh, Eagle season ticket holder through the chip years, through the Doug years, uh, rode the wave to a to a Super Bowl. Um, so this is obviously with COVID last year, the first game that Bomb has had an opportunity to go to, sit in his seats get a vibe for how things are going in the Nick Sirianni era. And the minute I parked the car down in South Philadelphia, I knew something was amiss. I knew something was amiss. First of all, the energy, it's not there. The diehards aren't there. It's a bunch of teeny boppers, right? Right. It's just a bunch of kids going down there to have a good time and party their faces off. I mean, this reminds me of like the Phillies back when they were good. And like the, the high school kids coming down and doing the whole Jetro thing. That's what the Eagles tailgates have become. It's a little sickening to be frank. That's kind of surprising, but you, you kind of see it, uh, you know, on social and, and whatnot that, you know, it's all younger kids and, and, and people that aren't there to even go in the game. Um, you know, I know some older season ticket holders or, or former season ticket holders that, those guys were going down there 20, 30 years and, and getting after it. You know, the big big trailers and Winnebago's and partying their asses off, food food and everything, the whole setup. And it sounds like that's that's kind of gone away in a sense. And 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 the guy specifically that I know, he he uh he got rid of his season tickets probably two, three years ago and, and he and he pulled the plug. Well, he was the smart one because I'm the sucker that's still getting popped every Every March and May for, you know, a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there from Jeffrey Lurie and, and Howie Roseman. But, yeah, first game back, and that was the immediate reaction when I got down there. I said, this is just a bizarre a bizarre atmosphere. And, Low energy. Uh, we ended up uh, having a couple of drinks in the, uh, in the parking lot just behind Xfinity Live there. And uh, we, were, we, we, we actually got into a very interesting sports debate with a guy who I believe was homeless. He uh, came up to me and started asking me if Chris Carter was a Hall of Famer. I have no clue. Is he? I mean, I'm assu- I assume he is. 
I, I really don't know. I would think so. You know, he's done the gig on TV and everything, right? I mean, I know he was good. I know he was good on the vice. So all I said was, you know, I have no clue, pal, but he didn't go in as an eagle. You know what I mean? He, so then he started asking me if Harold Carmichael was a Hall of Famer. Well, we know that. We know he is, right? And then we, I got into a, a debate with this guy about Nick Sirianni. And he, he started telling me all the reasons why Sirianni isn't a good coach. And I said, none of those reasons are legitimate. The reason why he's not a good coach is because this guy is too young. He's got no clue. He hasn't called plays before. He hasn't built a staff before. So we ended up getting into a, a very nice debate. And then, uh, unfortunately, after this debate with the homeless guy, he proceeded to return to yelling at Chargers fans for wearing blue. So uh, any Chargers fans out there, I kept this guy off your back for maybe 15 minutes as we debated Philadelphia football, history, coaching. We debated all of it. But the minute the debate was done, he went back to yelling at Chargers fans. So, yeah, hell of an atmosphere down there. Uh, Ben Simmons T-shirts, if you're looking for – I don't know if you remember this, G – Back in the day, uh, when you're a little kid and your dad would go to a Monday night football game that you weren't allowed to go to, you know, he might come home with like a very vulgar T-shirt that maybe says something around Dallas and maybe, uh, you know, some sort of a cartoon. Uh, I can tell you that Ben Simmons' face is now on a phallic symbol that are sold for $10 outside of, outside of Lincoln Financial Field. Ben Simmons' face is is pasted on top of, uh, I guess you could call it a scrotum, would be the anatomical word for it. And uh, you can have one uh, at, for $10 or maybe three for 25 I don't know, I'm sure you could barter with these guys. But a hell of an atmosphere um, from, from, you know, from the, res- the perspective of the, uh, the T-shirt vendors. But from the guys down there themselves, weak, so weak. Sounds like you had a hell of a time. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about you you yucking it up with the homeless guy, and and I'm I'm curious, do you recall any of his of his reasons for not liking Sirianni? Because you said like they, they weren't even right. I mean, he's on the right path, right? That that he didn't like Sirianni, but what what was he saying about the coach? Well, it was it was tough to tough to tell because there was saliva spewing from his mouth. Uh, I I took uh you know I took a little bit of a step back, you know. Uh, respiratory illnesses going around, uh, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, uh, you know, he was basically just saying his play calling's pathetic. He doesn't run the ball enough. Um, you know, we had a little bit of a debate around the fact that maybe he does run the ball more, which he did. He, he did on Sunday. So, um, you know, I think, I don't know if the homeless guy got into the ear of Nick and Nick's people and told him to run the ball more, but a lot of the points that he made were, were, were okay. But I think it totally comes down to just, Sirianni just doesn't have the experience yet. Well, he's on the he's on the right track, it sounds like. And then, you know, we talked about the tailgaters and and the the uh, the, the pedestrians partaking in all the festivities down there, kind of weak. Um, and then you talk about the t-shirt vendors and and you got you got Simmons on a sack. You got Simmons on a sack. <laughs> uh, not many sacks inside of the stadium on on Sunday though in that game uh, for the Eagles. Um, but before we get to the game, what was what was the uh, what was the vibe like in the stadium? I mean, I'm laying on my couch, four o'clock rolls around, Ian Eagle and Charles Davis, and the CBS drop comes in. It looked like a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day. You know, you get the nice skyline, and then the camera comes down to the nosebleeds, and and you know the upper level looks half half empty. I mean, maybe people filtered in later, or what was going on there? 
Well, I can tell you by uh, by kickoff, everybody was pretty much filtered in. Um, you know, it was a weird situation with security. They like paused. They paused people going through the gates. Um, and I don't know if that was that was entirely due to uh, everything that was going on down in um, like Houston with this like, uh, you know, Travis Scott thing. But there was like a very deliberate pausing of everybody through the gates and then giving your tickets. So there was a lot of people, you know, I could see when the national anthem was being sung, a lot of people were still in line. Um, so I don't know what that was about. The other thing related to being in line, I saw something that I was about to uh, rip a guy for. He was wearing a number 19 jersey. Um, you know, I don't know what you think about that. Jay Jaw. That's what they Jay call him now. Jay Jaw. He's a great special teamer. So this guy's wearing a 19 jersey in line and he's facing, you know, he's he's uh, uh probably, you know, 20 people in front of me and he's facing, you know, the back of the line talking to somebody and I see him wearing the 19 jersey and I'm you know, I'm I'm getting a little angry. I'm about to rip this guy. And he turns around. And what does the nameplate say, G? It's number 19. And the nameplate reads FU COVID. <laughs> That's beautiful. FU COVID 19. Did you go from did you go from wanting to get in a tussle with the guy to, to dapping him up and saying great shirt or what? Oh yeah, of course. I mean, I don't even know how the NFL proved it. You'd think Goodell would be all about COVID. God damn. <laughs> That's so, funny. yeah, interesting atmosphere. But, you know, by the time kickoff came around, I thought uh, everybody, for the most part, was in their seats, ready to rock. And then they they play the, the you know, you know the video. They play the rock. Hey, rock, rock, Rocky, Rocky. <laughs> Can you do one thing for me? Win. <laughs> Win. <laughs> And then every fucking idiot from South Philadelphia stands up as if it's the first time they've ever seen the hype video with Brian Dawkins running around and the Rocky video and some fucking bullshit highlight from week one against Atlanta. Every idiot stands up as if it's like they're ready to go to war. I mean, it's a joke. I got to say that that it, it does fire, fire you up. And like you're a season ticket holder, so you've seen it a lot, but. I haven't been to it. I can't tell you the last ga- game I went to. And, you know, I used to maybe go to like one a year or one every other year. And, and it, it does get you riled up. But when the team's three and five, now three and six. And, you know, those people are down there every week, you know, standing like, yeah, let's go. Just win. It's, I, I hear Rocky, what you're saying. I just need you to do one thing. And it, is it is it him like laying in the bed in the movie? Yeah, she's like laying in the bed. Rocky, where is it? Yeah, that's that's the routine before kickoff down there. But um, t- sounds like sounds like I, I got a misread on, on TV. Um, some somebody said sometimes they 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 pan that that camera shot of the city and then the stadium like a little a little bit before the game and before everybody files in. So. Could have been the uh, could have been the deal there, but yeah, and it was also a salute to service. So a lot of people wearing camo, you know, they might have been blending in with the seats. It's possible. Yeah, the green the green seats of the link. Um, but I guess we might as well get to the game, right? Let's get to it. Yeah. So uh, big big win for the Eagles Sunday. Uh, it was a short line. Uh, they rode the momentum 
of, of the blowout of the Lions, and they're they're back in the playoff race. Um, just just a, a monumental win in the season in the biggest game of the year. Um, now nah, I'm just kidding. The Eagles lost to the Chargers on Sunday, 27-24, on a last second Dustin Hopkins uh, chip shot field goal. Um, but you know, was just spewing that off there because if if you listen to any local radio in the last week, um, and any of those experts and pundits that's what they would have led you to believe um just just to get everybody all fired up um talking about the short line and the chargers are losing a couple games in a row to the ravens in new england who actually are both pretty good teams um but the eagles couldn't couldn't get it done um it was actually a pretty good game i thought i i enjoyed it it was probably one of the better games of the day on sunday surprisingly um, we haven't seen a lot of clean uh you know, good competitive football from the Eagles consistently this year, but good game, tough loss, ho-hum. No, no What's your takeaway? So you, obviously they lose, right? You know, kind of a tough, tough, tough ending there. Is there a takeaway that you have from this game? I mean, I don't, I don't really think there's, there's one, one real takeaway. Um, I mean, you, you look through the game and, and the Eagles come out pass happy, right? First couple drives, they don't sustain anything. Uh, the Chargers put together a couple drives, and, and they dominate time of possession in the first quarter. The Eagles get a couple key stops, right? Um, and then you have the Eagles. They, they do the three and out from their own one, trying to take a shot, and they can't clear any space. Um, and then they got the run game going in the second quarter, and that kind of pushed them into, into competing in the game. Defense gave cushion all day. You know, the secondary, uh, another – quarterback with over 80% completion percentage. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the defense stinks. And I forget, so, somebody mentioned it. It might have been might have been our Diddy, but, um, you know, it, it's apparent that, that these coaches uh, do not prepare well. Um, yep. You know, the Ravens and the Patriots gave, gave the Eagles and Sirianni and Gannon kind of a formula of how to slow Herbert down and that offense down. Uh, and put it on tape the last two weeks, and and the Eagles failed to failed to capitalize on on that knowledge and and didn't get it done. I mean, the takeaway for me is the secondary blows, um, the defense pretty much blows. I mean, Eckler is really good, but they kept him in check all day. But I mean, Jesus Christ, did Keenan Allen break a sweat yesterday? And that guy was was wide open all day. Twelve catches on thirteen targets, one hundred and four yards. Um... Come on, man. We got we got big play slay. Oh, I mean, big play slay. What a third quarter he had, huh? So third quarter starts out, and uh, you know, the Chargers Chargers start driving, they start taking the game over, getting back in the game. So this this is your third quarter for big play slay. <laughs> First drive, he gets absolutely mossed along the sideline. I don't think it was Williams or Allen. I don't know if it was the guy that uh, Parham that that threw him around on the touchdown later, but he gets absolutely mossed on the sideline. That drive ends in a field goal. The defense steps up, stops him there. The, the next defensive series, Slay <laughs> gets absolutely burned by Mike Williams on that deep cross. He gets burned there. And then a few plays later, Parham's out in the flat in the red zone. Sunday. Big play slays out there to make a play, make a big play. No, he gets thrown to the ground like a <laughs> rag doll, and the guy walks it in. 
first seven. <laughs> and then I think the defensive series after that, he takes the third down holding penalty. He hurts his leg. And I think he missed the rest of the game. And when he goes out, you miss this. I know you love this stuff. You miss this because you're you're in the stands. Charles Davis, the color guy on the call yesterday. Oh, don't don't say it. <laughs> Slay goes out after the third quarter that he just had. Charles Davis says, "Yeah, the the loss of Slay, you know, for the rest of this game is a really big loss. He does a really good job of controlling his side of the field." Did it? What the fuck are these guys watching? Is Charles Davis watching the game that he's calling? Is he even in the building? I mean, Darius Slay, that was the worst quarter I've seen him play maybe in his Eagles career. <laughs> One week removed from from trotting that fumble recovery into the end zone in Detroit and, you know, earlier in the year, tweeting out, check the stats. Check well, the stats, bro. My eyes work, big play, and you were fucking trash on Sunday. The best part is what... You know, one of the six incompletions that Herbert threw, he threw it into the boundary, right? Uh, out of bounds. They were driving uh, uh, down to the uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm on the Eagles sideline, so they're driving left uh, to that end zone. And he threw one, like, kind of kind of into the into the, the, the pylon on the, the front of the end zone. And big play has the, uh, has the audacity to turn around. And hit him with 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 the finger wag, the go- the goblin finger wag, <laughs> the finger wag, buddy, eighty percent, five quarterbacks, eighty percent. You're hitting him with the finger wag. Yeah, yeah, seven no. Seven on seven, dude. It, it literally is seven on seven against the Eagles secondary. But I believe, I think you just said it, but I think it's the fifth time in nine games this season that the opposing quarterback has completed over eighty percent of their passes. I mean, that is atrocious what did they say eight eight times in eagles history before that before those five right like we're gonna eclipse it this year oh yeah and 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 lord knows i mean we're playing against the most pinpoint precision quarterbacks that have ever lived montana steve young who else take your pick yeah no it's uh it's I don't know. I, I don't understand either. Like a lot of the stuff I, I'm hearing Monday and, and Sunday evening is not about the defense. It's about the play of the quarterback. And I thought for the opportunities that he was given to to throw the ball uh, and not just hand it off on Sunday, I thought Jalen Hurts played a pretty solid game. He wasn't spectacular. I mean, some of the athletic stuff uh, in the second half, the scrambles and obviously the big flip to, to keep that one drive going. Um, on third down, like that was sick. I mean, it's obvious that his athletic ability is, is there, uh, in terms of, of running the football. Um, I thought he threw a lot of nice balls to Devonte Smith. It was good to see Smith going. That was, that was definitely a takeaway. Um, good to see him get going on Sunday. Um, but I know pe- people are, are shitting on hurts for, for missing that, uh, third and goal out route or, or corner route to, to Smith in the corner of the end zone. I mean, uh, hang on a second. That, if that's the argument, I mean, he's he's pedaling, he's running to his non-arm side, going backwards, squaring his shoulders. You know, sure. I mean, you love to see the guy make that throw, but yeah, I mean, that was that throw, and maybe the throw to Goddard were the only two that stood out to me. I mean, there were he made a he made a ton, a ton of big plays where he saw guys coming off the edge, and he just broke contain. And um, 
and and gained yardage and, and a first down. And in fact, I think the touchdown to Smith. I mean, I, I think they were in uh, in in zero, and um, and there must have been some sort of audible. I mean, I was sitting there watching them go to the line and change change the protection and and maybe change a route. And all of a sudden, you know, he hits his back foot and just lays it out there for Smith. So, you know, if you're out there ripping Jalen Hurts this week, you're a horse's ass. You don't know the game. The guy kept them in the game and the running game did. You know what I mean? It's like that 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 game plan against the Chargers. Now, granted, the Chargers, poor run defense. Some of their DBs are out. Like all those things said, that's the type of game plan where if your defense has an ounce of testosterone, the Eagles can win with that type of a game plan. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, you put up 24 points at home, you know, in November, and obviously we're kind of a rebuilding team, but before this game, people were talking about, oh, can we get back in the mix? Can we get back in the race? Well, if you if you put up 24 points at home in November, and that's not enough, then then, then that you're, you ain't it. Like, and, and that's not the fault of your offense. That's the fault of your defense. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I mean, they didn't force a punt. Um Zero punts on Sunday for the no Chargers. Now, some of that is, right, their, their head coach likes to go for it. I mean, think of this, right? You you pin them deep. You, you, you get the ball in your first drive. You pin them deep on the one. And not only does your defense not stop them there and get the ball back for your offense, they let them go 98. And now, granted, they, sti- they stiffened at the end, right? Wow, unbelievable. And but don't break. And but don't break. But, like... Can can we bring a blitz when they're on their like own half yard line and try to like maybe score two points for our fucking team? Yeah, well, the last time we did that was against Dallas, and we know how that game ended. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, my thing was like Gannon was totally outclassed, um, you know, and 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 you could tell, right? Like the Chargers, every single series that was in plus territory, they were calling plays as if they were. Like even their first and second down calls were made with the idea that, oh, if we don't get it on third, we're just going to go for it. That's how little respect they have for that fucking idiot wearing his curled fucking hat like he's going to an NSYNC concert in 1998. I think the other interesting thing is that I heard last week leading up to this game with the Chargers was how uh, Sirianni came, came from the Chargers and they know the team so well. Well, None of that mattered at all. They didn't bring it, bring any of that to to help the cause on Sunday. Um, but no, so and, bad. And I just go, I go back to that Hurts play. Um, I mean, you you look at the two the two plays before. I think it was two shotgun runs in the red zone, which it worked at times. It didn't work at times, but the the majority of the big the big gains on, in the run game on Sunday came from under center, and then a lot of the success in the play action came from under center. And they they wasted the first two plays of that that red zone series just handing it off from the shotgun, and then you're gonna throw a, a corner route to the boundary. I mean, what, was it a great throw? No. But what if what if you throw bad the other way? Then it's a pick six, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a safe throw. It was off his back foot. Um. So I, you know, you're you're really grasping at straws if if you're coming at hurts for that one there because that, that's a tough play. But, I mean, and the other thing I think about is not only does he have a doofus for a coach, there there's really only one NFL caliber wide receiver on the Philadelphia Eagles right now. And You're not, you're not a quiz guy? 
I'm not a Quez guy. I mean, I think Quez could be serviceable as like a four or a five, but not an every down guy. And Jalen Reger, I mean, that guy, he's not really seeing the field all that much, I feel like, anymore. When he does, he doesn't do anything well. He usually catches the ball, runs backwards, drops the ball, <laughs> twists his ankle. So, And he's I mean, another one. He's a, he's a, he's a Fultz, a Mark... He's cut from the same cloth as Markel Fultz and uh, Simmons and Wentz and and uh, Mental Midget. Um, you ever watch him post on on social? He'll lock the comments. He locks nah. the comments. I don't. I don't, I don't follow bums. I don't follow bums on Instagram. Um, but no, I mean he's got one, he's got one guy to throw to, and somebody brought this point up to us. I mean, if anything, Hertz did a great job on Sunday because he either looked at Smith or he took off and ran. Yeah. Yeah. Like th- those, those are your two options. I mean, Goddard is, uh, is solid, I guess. And, and serviceable can make some plays and, and catches, but other than Smith and Goddard, who does this guy have to throw to? And, yeah. You know what? I don't get like when McNabb was early, you know, when McNabb was a young QB, he had, he had nobody, right? Like who did he have when he was like young, right? Like he had maybe uh who Torrance, Torrance small, uh charles johnson like like no name guys and that was before like pinkston and thrash who by the way people forget they were a fucking upgrade um but McNabb leaned on his tight ends like Je- jeff thomason chad lewis there was a lot of that there was a lot of run you know running the football a little bit more back then compared to what andy did later on but you have to wonder like like why we've got her right great blocker great 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 pass catcher do we have like another guy that can be his like little kind of, uh, you know, emergency, emergency release valve. And, you know, if he's, if he, if he can't run Smith, isn't open, Goddard isn't like dump it to this guy. We, we don't have that guy. Who is that guy? Yeah. I don't know. I guess it, it could have been miles Sanders or, or Gainwell, but Gainwell is clearly falling out of favor. I mean, Scott isn't really a pass catcher. I don't think Jordan Howard's much of a, a pass catcher. So no, we, we, don't, tight we don't have Give that me- guy. They got. A, I don't know if he's on the roster. I don't know if he's on the practice squad. What the fuck happened to Perkins? Perkins, give me Perkins. Kendrick Perkins, baby. No, not Kendrick. Not Kendrick. Eighty-three Perkins. What was his first name? Josh. Josh Perkins. Dude, he could play a little bit. Like he could be that kind of like Jeff Thomason type. Well, I even thought to myself, and, and this might might be reaching as well, but. Couldn't you use a guy like Travis Fulgham on this team? I mean, he had that nice little stretch of like three or four games last year. I mean, that's got that's got to be better than trotting out Rager and Greg Ward. And I mean, granted, he doesn't play wide receiver. He's a special team specialist. But Jay Jaw, like these guys are stiffs, right? No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't I don't get that at all. I, I don't get that at all. Bring back Josh Perkins. Yeah, Perkins, 83. That guy could ball, man. I mean, Kendrick Perkins could probably do a serviceable, serviceable job compared to some of the receivers we have, too. That Let's see, he's out of the league now, right, in the NBA? Well, he'd at least call the, call the defense, uh, you know, the way he sees it, right, man? He'd, he'd get on that defense. That's right. How about the uh, how about the Barnett penalty? Another occurrence with, with Derek Barnett and... I think if if you told me right before the show that, that this is going to bring us to Bombs Bone to Pick of the Week, brought to us by Shamrock Sun. 
Yeah, bombs been the pick of the week. Uh, this week is not Derek Barnett. We we can't blame this guy for being who he is. Let me read you his stat line on the year. He's got one sack. He's got four penalties. <laughs> this guy's a fucking first rounder. And you know the best part is he's swagged out. He's got the long sleeves on. He's got the visor. He's got the souped up like face mask, like. Like he's, you know, going to rush the quarterback off the edge. The guy plays no fucking run defense. He All he does, he thinks he's he thinks he's back in that Jim Washburn wide nine. All he does is, is set up outside and just jump. Like the minute he sees, he just jumps. So I'm sitting there, you know, Eagle sideline, 35-yard line, Chargers driving, big play, third and six. If you can get a negative play, Maybe their head coach doesn't go for it, right? Like maybe if it's fourth and 10, he's not going to go for it. We need a negative play. This fucking bozo jumps off sides. I went nuts, nearly lost my voice yelling from section 244. Uh, Got a couple chuckles out of the fellas around me. But Barnett stayed on the field for another two to three plays. And then he came off the field. Like as they got into the goal line scenario, he comes off the field. And uh, first he was lined up, and then somebody subbed in for him. I think it was uh, 93. So so Barnett comes off the field, and uh, the Chargers punch it in. And my bone to pick of the week is not Derek Barnett. He is who he is. I mentioned it. He is who he is. I'm just describing the scenario. He comes off the field, Chargers score, and uh, I think five guys, five guys dressed in the beautiful – Salute to service, camouflage hoodies, standing on the Eagles sideline. Some could be coaches, some could be guys that just didn't dress. Five guys gave uh, gave Derek a tap on the shoulder pads. Hang in there, big guy. You keep fighting. That's horrible. I mean, I think I think Cox and Sweat were like visibly pissed after after that happened, and Sirianni got asked about it Monday, and he just. I mean, listening to Sirianni press conferences is is like banging your head against the wall. You just hear him talk relentlessly and and say nothing. But his his comments on Barnett and the reaction of his teammates, and then the reoccurring penalties, he he just goes on and on and on. And and the theme was he just plays so tough and so hard. So oh, stop it. The only that, thing he he's ever done as an Eagle was stand in the exact spot where a ball bounced into his lap. The guy's a stiff. Um, in fact, if he was like a little leaguer playing center field and the center fielder made as many mental errors as Derek Barnett, the head coach would pull the center fielder mid-inning. Mid-inning, he'd be pulled. The kid would come off the field, they put another kid in. Derek Barnett is never held accountable. He's never pulled immediately after a mistake, a penalty, an error. He stays out there flying around like he's some sort of a like a sack artist. Like this guy's done nothing. Nah, he stinks. But add coach to uh, to to the to the list of guys tapping on him and loving on him. Just gotta keep, you know, in the words of James Franklin, just gotta keep loving on these guys, man. Just, just gotta keep loving on these guys. Um, but yeah, the the soft the softies tapping on Derek Barnett after another costly penalty. His bombs bone to pick of the week. Brought to you by Shamrock Sun. Grab the guy by the face mask. Send him to the day locker room. You're done. Yeah. Anything else on the game? 
No, nah, not not much else on the game, but I do have a a hell of a a fan scenario for you, and it involves what I'll call uh we'll call it fan etiquette. Okay, so uh, I'm sitting in in my seats in section two forty four. We're uh, a few rows up. There are folks in front of us. It's the second quarter. Uh, seven minutes, 28 seconds left, fourth and two. The Chargers are going for it, okay? And two rows in front of us, there's uh, a few folks seated. There appears to be a mother, uh, middle-aged, I guess you could say. Uh, three three uh, boys, or I guess you could say young men, you know, maybe, if I had to guess, some somewhere between the age of 18 and 20, maybe 21. I didn't see them consume any ice-cold mineral lights. Um, but fourth and two, the Chargers are going for it. And they rise to their feet. Okay? And they start doing the, you know, the rise thing. You know, get everybody Waving else. Waving the hands up. Come on, everybody, get up. Come on, everybody, get up. Big moment. Now, keep in mind, this is like the third fucking fourth down they've gone for, right? So, And it's the second quarter. So the kid... The kid sitting directly in front of me, two rows down, is doing the hand thing, you know, imploring his fellow seatmates to stand up. Nobody's standing up in front of him. And uh, and the minute he stands and starts doing the 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 arm wave to, to implore his his <laughs> his seatmates. A, uh, I want to say, we'll be generous here, maybe 62-year-old guy sitting directly in front of me with two younger kids, maybe 10 and 12. Uh, we'll just say he begins landing knuckle sandwiches into the 20-year-old's scapular area. So the kid, wow. the kid standing up, like watching the play, is getting punched. By like a 62-year-old guy <laughs> in like his left scap, like multiple times, right? And the old guy is just screaming, sit the fuck down. Sit the fuck down. Sit the fuck down. So I want to get your take before I describe what goes on next. Um, standing etiquette. What's your stance? So how, when, how, who? So I mean, how often was this this kid standing that that far into the game? Because I can't. I mean, I, I guess with the fourth downs, I I would say I'm okay with standing on fourth down, regardless of of what time of the game it is, as long as the game's still competitive, right? Um, but if the kid if the kid was up on like every play, every second, third, fourth down, I don't, I don't condone that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think he was up on every play. I mean, I would say he was, he was up on key plays. The, the, the reason why I stand with old man time really is because of the fact that the rule that I am employ when I'm down there is, you stand if the guy in front of you stands. That's all. That's always an easy one to to go by. I agree with that. Now. Should the guy in front of this kid have been standing and the guy in front of that guy have been standing and the guy in row one should have been standing? Of course, everyone should have been standing. It's fourth down. But you're not the guy in row nine that gets to make the decision that we stand. 
No, it's like dominoes. You know, you see you see the first row come up, then you see the second row come up, then the third row, and so on and so forth. And then, as the Eagles like to say in those those preseason hype videos, all rise. It's a crescendo. That's exactly right. So you know, I I tended to agree with 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 the older uh, gentlemen who appeared to be Medicare eligible. Uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with laying hands on 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 another person, uh, of course. Uh, but the young kid turned around and said, "Hey, old man, put your hands on me one more time, and we'll see who's standing at the end of the game." Wow! <laughs> wow! That's at good. which point, I said, "You know what? I think I'm on the kid's side. Like that's a phenomenal line." Yeah, that's really good. Good, on, good on him. I mean, good all around. You got to stand your ground down there. Now, the, the, the beautiful part is that uh, by the end of the game, when the Eagles were driving, there were, uh, there were fist bumps being exchanged. Uh, so uh, Between these two guys? Yeah, so I guess, you know, uh, all, all is well that ends well. No harm, no foul. Uh, yeah, would, would have hate to have seen what would have happened if it was like a blowout. But, uh, yeah. Wow, that's, that's funny that they were... They were dapping it up by by game's end, but that's brotherly love, man. That's 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 Philadelphia down there for you. That's that brotherly love. The best part is the guy who was bitching about the kid standing up was on his feet during the the pregame hype video. Oh, like, of course. Like he's more he's more hyped for Balboa than than, than, fourth, than fourth down. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The There's, only there... thing the only thing I'll add uh, about the game, I don't do do you have anything else? I was going to address uh, what happened shortly thereafter the game. So, so let me address let me address how how the how the ending of the game happened for, from my eyes. Here's how here's how the end of the game happened. Um, the Eagles score the uh, the touchdown right with Smith. What six minutes left? Chargers get the ball, start going down the field. Uh, the clock is now approaching the two minute warning. Two fourteen, two thirteen, two twelve, two eleven. 210. At 2.09, Bomb stands up. Luckily, the old guy wasn't behind me. And I turned to, uh, you know, to the old lady who, who, who uh, went to the game with me. And I said, we're getting the fuck out of here. This game's over. It's time to go. So we, we were the first people out of the section. Literally, it's, it's, you, you, you hear Jerome Boger. It's the two-minute warning. Waving his hands. I'm already walking down the stairs. I said, I, t- I turned to uh, to the old lady. I said, "This game's over. They're gonna bleed it down. They're gonna they're gonna do what they have to do." We literally left the gates. We we were walking through the gates by the time Justin Herbert fell over for the first down. So uh, yeah, I mean, just another example of you know just trying to uh, trying to will the team to a victory down there, but knowing that uh, they ain't gonna get the job done. No, no shot. Not not against a decent team. I think the Eagles will beat a lot of the the bad teams that are left. I don't think yeah. they're they're you know the the bottom of the barrel, but they're they're not much higher than that. Um, yeah, I mean you tried to will them to victory. Jalen Hurts tried to will them to victory, but defense gets stuck on the field for the last six minutes of the game, and and they don't get another crack at it. So blame Hurts all you want, but. Last six minutes of the game, guy guy was sitting sitting on the bench with his helmet off. So, um, and then we get we get to after the game, you're you're out of the stadium. I'm I'm still laying there and and flicking over to Kansas City, Green Bay, and 
see something on Twitter a little while after the game and, and Sirianni's coming off the field, you know, with, with his little escort guy or one of his assistants, whoever the hell it is. And you see him just kind of like get halfway down the tunnel and then he shoots back, uh, shoots back out and, and starts barking up into the stands. And then you see the video go down to the ground and there's a, a small bouquet of, of flowers <laughs> on, on the ground. So apparently somebody had the audacity to to throw throw flowers at, at Coach Nick coming off the field. Not the first time that that's happened. Something like that has happened this year. I, I believe in, in Vegas after the Raiders game, somebody threw like their Eagles jersey down at him as he was running off the field. But, I mean, I, I get that he said what he said about the flowers, and, and it's really, really weird and, and kind of dumb. Um, I get he's not a great football coach and we all have our gripes with them and everything. But I mean, for, for you to be in the stands and, and, and to stay after the final whistle uh, and, and to even bring a bouquet of flowers in, into the stadium, like you're, you're a fucking weirdo. And then, and then to stay after the final whistle and go down to the tunnel and launch it at the coach, like you're, you're just a, an asshole and, and, and you're a loser like, it's not Nick Sirianni's fault that you forked up your cash to go down there and watch that slop, even though it wasn't slop on Sunday. But we all have choices, right? I mean, we were we were born in the Philadelphia area, so therefore we are fans. But nobody's forcing us to go down there and pay our money to, to, to watch this and, and to buy the tickets and pay for the parking. Um, we all have a choice. So, sure, we can be fed up with Sirianni, but... Don't don't go down there and, and throw shit at him. That's just low class. Like he's probably one of those, oh, we're from Philly, no one likes us, we don't care, assholes. Like oh, that that is that is the dumbest shit ever. And and to do that is is classless and, and pathetic. And you have no fucking life if you are down at the link throwing flowers at Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I don't have much to add. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, think think about Sirianni too. Like like they. The offense didn't play poorly yesterday. I mean, I don't condone throwing flowers, but if you have a coach to pick, uh, you know, to pick and say, hey, this is the guy I'm going to throw flowers to, wouldn't it be Gannon? 100%. But I guess, like, Gannon's MO is he plays so soft that the flowers probably wouldn't even have reached him. Like, Gannon probably would have had to come up and tackle the flowers. That's how soft he plays. Yeah, well, I mean, you can identify Sirianni between, like, the visor and the stickers and the beard. But Jonathan Gannon, like you said, like, he's just got that big, big curved hat on. Like, he looks like any other, like, 15 to, to 25 or 30-year-old guy in that stadium. He looks fucking clueless and lost and scared. Rightfully so. And uh, it's shown on the field. But How do you even get flowers into the stadium? Like you're, you gotta like, uh, you know, get your rec rectum scan in order to get in there. And the, you know, you, I, I, you walk in, you can put your keys in this little bucket. Right. And what you're holding flowers. Probably had him tuck, tuck down his ass crack or something going into the game. But that, that's, that's just an all time loser move. But what else, what else can you expect down there? Yeah. Just, uh, just pathetic. Um, you know, my thing is, you wanna you wanna boo boo, you wanna curse. I don't care what you do, but the minute you're throwing shit, you know. First of all, 
let's let's see you try to step up and and do a job. Like like first, you know, did he even hit him? Like if you don't hit the guy, I feel like you should be. If you drill the guy, remember when Jimmy Johnson got drilled with the snowball, and his hair got departed. I think the rule should be if you drill the guy, there's there's no penalty. But if you if you if you miss, you go to jail for a year. Or if you drill Ron Artest in the mouse at the palace, you get your ass beat. <laughs> but nah, no, 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 no place for that. Honestly, nah. Like j- just disgusting. Loser should never never go to a game again. But you know what? If you want to, if you want to blow your money to to go throw flowers at an insignificant guy in Eagles history like Nick Sirianni. Be be my fucking guest. You 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 have no life. But I think that's that's all I got for for the game. And the birds will look forward to next week. They travel to Denver, take on the Broncos, who who put a good good beating on Dallas on Sunday. I think the final score was thirty to sixteen, but Dallas was never really in the game. Um, Denver looks pretty good. I mean, they're they're not like the most exciting team to watch, but. They run the ball pretty well. They got a good two-headed attack with Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Um, Bridgewater, you know, you you don't know what you're going to get with him on, on a given day, but they've got Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, and uh, Noah Fan is the tight end, but I think he was out Sunday. I don't know if it's injury or COVID, but but they have some some pass catchers and the running back, so it's it's a good balanced offense when Bridgewater isn't, um, you know, throwing throwing picks around the yard. And their defense is good. They they kept Dallas in check. I mean, none of the receivers really went off. The running game didn't really have much success. I think Zeke went out at one point, but um, and then I think I don't know if the the Dak calf injury is still still playing a factor, but um, pretty dominating performance from Denver at Jerry World against against the Cowboys on Sunday. So be a tall tall order for the the Eagles to go into. Uh, Going to Denver and and the uh, what is it the the altitude right? Yeah, and, mile high, man. Mile high and, and try to get a dub, but I think, I think Denver opened at minus two. I want to say something like that. I don't have it in front of me. Just just two teams that that could lay a complete egg on any given week. Could could be an exciting game. Could be one of the ugliest games we watch all year. Yeah, nineteen to fourteen or some bullshit. Yeah, and then some other big wins around the league yesterday. You had the Browns blowing out Cincinnati. Looks like Odell Beckham Jr. getting out of Cleveland is going to be a good thing for them. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they they were relieved and, and came out and put a beat down on Joe Burrow and the Bengals, who, who have looked good, but I, I don't think I don't think they're there yet to to compete in the North and and be like a real real playoff. Playoff contender, or Super Bowl contender. Um, get the yeah. Jack. Sorry, go ahead. No, I agree. I think I, I still think Baltimore is the class of that division. Right. Yeah, they had a big win over over the Vikings yesterday in overtime. How about the Vikings? Is that team just disgusting or what? I mean, last week they lose to to Dallas with their backup quarterback, and then Sunday they lose. Uh, I think I believe they're up fourteen at one point, and they blow that game to Lamar. Uh, they had they had the chance in overtime. After Baltimore got the ball first in overtime, you usually think that you're in really good shape when that happens because all you need is three. But the Vikings, they, they, that team just finds ways to lose games. And good good, good on Baltimore. Uh, I think they're up to six and two. They're looking good. 
Um, the Jags won nine to six over Buffalo. I didn't see any of that game, but pretty hard to believe because the Bills are have have kind of looked like one of the one of the class teams in the AFC. But they they're good to mix in a, a clunker as well. So wide open, and then Sunday night you got Tennessee laying a beat down and physically dominating the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, kind of enjoyed watching that, even though I had LA. You know. I'm I'm used to losing by now, so I just I just want to enjoy the games. But no, Tennessee, even with the loss of Derrick Henry, that defense is nasty, um, and they they did enough on offense. They're still 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 around the ball. You saw AP come back. Uh, the the ghost of AP is still running with his head down somehow. And then you look to the big losses. I mean, the, uh, who am I looking at? San Fran, San Fran. A lot of people they were high, they, a lot of people were high on them coming into the year. They lose to Colt McCoy in for Kyler Murray for Arizona. And James Conner absolutely goes off. Um, but was there God. a uh, a Shanahan stroke fest on the broadcast or no? Didn't see the broadcast. I think that I think that was in the, the same time window as the Eagles. Um, but no, I mean, I think I think I want to say that Seattle and San Fran play next Monday night, or maybe the Rams and San Fran. So We'll get uh, what's his face, Greasy and Lewis Riddick to uh, oh. g- give us their thoughts on on uh, Coach Shanahan on Monday night. Look at how creative this bootleg is! Oh my God! And what they're three and five or two and five or something, something somewhere in that neighborhood. I'm I think not he's sure. He's got a losing record as a head coach. Yeah, way too much hype there. And then uh, the other game I was peeking at was Kansas City and, and Green Bay. Um, what, what, a, what a shitty game, honestly, Kansas city stinks. I mean, they, they can't get out of their own way. And then watching Jordan love, that was tough. I mean, they, they, they used a first round pick on this guy and he's, he's been in that system on that team for a few years and he looked lost. And I, I understand Arrowhead is a tough place to play, but that Kansas City defense has been trashed this year. That guy made him look like the 85 Bears. So hopefully this makes sense to everybody now why Aaron Rodgers was, quote, you know, in the in the words of some folks, acting like a diva. I mean, imagine, imagine how wasn't there a statistic or some sort of a piece of news that said that the Packers have never used a first round pick on like an Aaron Rodgers weapon or something? I haven't heard that. Yeah, it was like something where like, if you look at all the guys he's thrown to, none of them have ever been for like they've never, they've never used a first round pick on like a skilled player on offense. And the year that they do, they draft his backup. And obviously he went off, right? He won the MVP last year, but like after watching love play, I mean, you could probably see why Aaron Rodgers is just fucking pissed off at the world. Absolutely. I mean, love was, I get it was his first game, but usually when guys are kind of in a system and, and being groomed behind a guy, like say when Aaron Rodgers was behind Brett Favre, like wasn't Rodgers pretty good when he first came in? Like he didn't come in and absolutely shit the bed. Nah, and, and this is also uh, an indictment of the boy wonder, right? All you hear about is how great Lafleur is, and the the only thing he he can he can uh, stake a you know put a stake in the ground for is that he's not Mike McCarthy. He literally just gets out of the way of Aaron Rodgers. 
And the only time he got in the way of Aaron Rodgers was was in the playoffs when the, you know, when he made a poor decision down at the uh, down at the goal line. So, um, I mean, the boy wonder is uh, is quickly turning into a guy who who needs his uh, his older quarterback, let's just say, to to guide him to a dub. That team would be nothing without Rodgers. I mean, their defense is is pretty good and has been strong this year. I think if uh, Rodgers gets gets back back on board and they stay healthy, that's going to be one of the uh, toughest outs in the NFC in, in terms of the playoffs. I, re- I really like their chances with Rodgers in that defense. But it was a shame that, that Rodgers didn't play in that game Sunday. Um, you know, Patty Mahomes is – Kind of, kind of slowly become like a fan favorite or like the media's favorite, and they want him to be the next face of the league. And his brother's on TikTok and doing all this bullshit. Patrick Mahomes stinks, and it's a shame that Aaron Rodgers did not play Sunday to put him in his place. If Aaron Rodgers played in that game Sunday, Green Bay would have won somewhere in the neighborhood of like thirty-eight to thirteen. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean. Would would you love to see Mahomes in 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 that midnight green? Of, of course, you know you're lying if you uh, if you say otherwise. But uh, there was talk last year during the Super Bowl, like the baby goat or the the next goat. Like the guys won one Super Bowl against Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, against He's notorious against for blowing Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah. All the guy does is blow Super Bowls. The guys won one Super Bowl. He's I mean, he looks awful this year, and some of it is I think his weapons are aging. So then you have to wonder how much of it was, you know, Mahomes obviously has solid arm talent, dad, dad a former uh, big leaguer. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when 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 Tyreek Hill gets doubled and Kelsey doesn't look himself, suddenly they, they look a lot more pedestrian, don't they? For sure. They, they've been nothing but pedestrian this year. Um, no, that's but, not true. They, they they look good against Jonathan Gannon. Oh, uh, well. So would the 75-pound Lenape Valley Indians in, in Chalfont. They would, too. But um, the other thing to think about with the Chiefs is 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 Andy running his course? I mean, we, we know from experience that, that Andy's shtick gets stale after, after some time. So that could be a factor there, too. And maybe, maybe the Mahomes stinks was a little extreme, but in terms that of— good. In terms of the baby goat and the next goat, not not even close. Not even close. Remember Madden did the whole did the whole go, double goat. Oh yeah, a little too soon, Madden. I mean, I love I love how this is like a uh, like that really bothers that that's a big thing like that bothers me about like social media. We just put the crown on everybody too soon. Yeah, I mean, like like everybody hypes like because every. Every player who's like a who's like ha- had like decent success has these like outrageous fanatics who are like stain in their words, I stain, I'm a stain. And they give all these guys their flowers, give them their flat, not the Sirianni kind. They give them their flowers online. And all they talk about is how great these guys are. He's the goat. He's the goat. Now, meanwhile, all these people talking about it, like have never seen Joe Montana play. Did not see Tom Brady, you know, winning in the elements with no weapons, right? Uh, did not see Tom Brady, you know, morph into the superstar that he is when he had Randy Moss. Um, didn't see Michael Jordan play. Don't talk to me about fucking LeBron James. 
didn't watch Michael Jordan play. Now I know you can you could say, all right, just because you didn't see a guy doesn't mean that you could say that this guy's not the goat. Um, but you can't you can't sit here and just tell me this is the goat, that's the goat, this is the goat. When a guy's got one title, and all of a sudden he looks very very average right now. Bingo, I I'm I'm completely on board with you there. It's uh it's a little premature. Could just be a rough patch. I mean, like you said, the guy's got great arm talent. He, Great athleticism can make some crazy plays, but it's just not happening this year so far for for Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the NFL feels like really wide open right now. I think for me in, in the NFC, I'm looking at the Bucks if they get healthy, and I'm looking at Green Bay, yeah, uh, riding Rodgers in that defense. And you look at the AFC. I mean, the Chiefs aren't there. Um, Baltimore. Tennessee, I mean, is, is what Tennessee's doing sustainable? I really like their team. I really like really like Vrabel, but they haven't been able to really get over the hump in the playoffs. Um, and, and who else is out there, honestly? The Chargers? I think it's got to be Buffalo, man. I mean, you just got to put that clunker aside that they play. I mean, I love, I love the fact – I think their game translates to January. They play defense. Um, they don't run the ball, though. Yeah, but 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 Allen can can move and and they could do a little bit of that RPO stuff. And he's got a weapon on the outside. Like there's something about Buffalo that uh, you know, Buffalo in my mind Buffalo and Tennessee are the teams that that I would not want to see um as an opponent in January or February. No, I agree. But Buffalo's up there too and they're kind of on the cusp, right? They've been right there the last few years. And that's usually what you see is is these teams building toward getting over the hump, and Buffalo has certainly been that team the uh, the the last few years now. Before we go over to college, I just wanted to to point something out because I had the uh, the, the local radio station on earlier today, and again going off about Jalen Hurts and how they're not passing enough, and this is a passing league. You have to pass the ball and and get chunk plays in order to win in this league. Um, but I was able to dig up this nugget. Uh, here's the record of the, of the top six teams, uh, leading the NFL rushing attempts. The Tennessee Titans are seven and two. The New Orleans Saints are five and three. The Cleveland Browns are five and four. The Dallas Cowboys are six and two. The Arizona Cardinals are eight and one. And the Baltimore Ravens are six and two. But according according to this jackass, you have to be able to throw the ball consistently to win in this league. Where I I see that to a point, but to win in the playoffs, you need to be able to run the ball and you need to be able to play good defense. So I just I thought that that was really interesting because everybody talks nowadays about how it's become a passing league and this and that, but you got to run the football. And and again, I don't I don't think the game plan on Sunday for the birds was bad, but Let's throw it over to college. It was a uh, well, before we throw it over to college. I mean, that's some next level grinding out of you with statistics and this. Who were you using? Elias Sports Bureau, ESPN. I mean, what? Who's the go to? Can't 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 reveal sources. You know, no no, no free plugs on the pod. Um, you know, I mean, no, that's good work. You know, we don't have stack guys. We are our own stack guys. We are our own researchers. And G's just digging it up. Yeah, well, I, I just don't like to turn on turn on the radio and, and hear blasphemy, and that's that's why we're here. We 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 give you what's real, 
Uh, we we're not here to fire people up. We're just here to give you give you the worker man's opinion from the couch, from the shade. And I'll end that diatribe there. Now let's talk some college football. Um, pretty wild week. I mean, you had you had Sparty get knocked off by Purdue. I mean, Purdue's just knocking everybody off. They got they got the Buckeyes next week, so keep an eye there. Um, Wake Forest previously undefeated. They fell in an absolute shootout to North Carolina. Uh, bomb, hate to do it to you, but your 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 long shot, your bombs bomb pick last week of of Baylor to get in the playoff, maybe win the Natty. Looks cooked. Tough loss to TCU. Um, and, and then we had a lot of these these teams in, in the top uh, portion of the initial CFP ranking struggle. You had Ohio State struggle uh, at Nebraska, 126-17. You had Cincinnati struggle on Saturday. Um, Alabama, I mean, I watched a lot of that game Saturday night. They they really uh, they really should have lost that game against Coach O and and the Tigers, and and then you look at Oregon and that was a tough environment and and tough tough weather conditions against Washington and the Huskies but that's that that team's no good, and that that was a one possession game t- till the very end so I I think the pressure got to some of these teams this week uh, a lot a lot of them escaped and and survive in advance but. There's there's no clarity on this college football playoff picture below the, the Georgia Bulldogs who blew out Mizzou on Saturday. No, I, I agree. I mean, the uh, I don't know why the Purdue game shocked me. Um, what's the stat? They have they have the most top five wins. Uh, I guess wins against top five opponents in in college football. Is that accurate? I think like fourteen. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to check on that one. Yeah, well, you know, get your stack. I'm, eye on I'm, I'm, I'm trusting you on this one. This get is your, your stat. Get your stack eye on the phone. I mean, just verify that. But I think 14 wins all time against AP top five opponents, most in college football. And I look at that stat, and a lot of a lot of people would say, "Hang on, Purdue is a feisty, feisty dog, especially in West Lafayette." But uh, you know what, G? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say all that tells me is that the Big Ten perennially, year after year, every team that 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 plays Purdue is overrated. That's all that says. Could be the case. I, I think about that, too. But the other thing I think about in, in that regard is, is look at the SEC this year. The SEC blows. I mean, you look at the teams that Alabama's beat, and they've got them ranked so high, and I'm not here to say that that the Big Ten com- competes with the SEC, but um, it it might just be might just be your your crown thing in this day and age that that everybody's way too pumped up. But yeah. but I I agree. I I think the Big Ten might might get a little too much love, especially in these early rankings, whether it be the AP poll in September and October and, and the early. Uh, initial release of the college football playoff rankings. Um, but I guess that's why you play the games to the end and, and get everything sorted out. Um, but there's there's not really a conference that's that's super deep with world beaters uh, in college football this year. I mean, I still think the SEC is the class of the, the country. No, I, think I agree. It, I think it's by a wide margin because you, you think about it, put it up. Here's how here's how I would say this, right? If I was if I was comparing um, 
conferences. Um, put put a neutral site game, SEC versus Big Ten, for how each team is ranked in the conference. So in essence, like Georgia versus OSU, Georgia versus Ohio State, um, Bama versus Michigan, uh, Texas A&M versus Michigan State, right? Just to be the Good. Big Ten SEC challenge of college football. Yeah, do that. And I, I mean, Penn State beat beat Auburn, right? Okay, maybe, maybe the middle to bottom tier of the Big Ten is a little bit better. Maybe you could argue that, but I think the the top of the SEC is head and shoulders better than the Big Ten and any other conference out there. Yeah, that's true. I I, I agree with you on that and. I think I was pointing more to, to the depth as well, but when you when if you did stack it up like that, it, the top top three four games would would probably uh, show show the the disparity there. But um, yeah, I mean, any, anything else stand out to you from from over the weekend? I mean, I know we were exchanging a few messages during that that LSU Alabama game, and uh, Brad Johnson's son Max Johnson, the the South Paul quarterback for LSU. You know what? I think I said this to you the other night, but if you're an LSU fan, aren't you livid that Coach O is gone? I mean, four and four, he's a lame duck coach. You go into Tuscaloosa, you're like a 30-point dog or a 28-point dog, and you've got the number two team in the country and the biggest powerhouse in college football in the last decade on the ropes at home with, with Coach O leading the charge. Like, where are you going to go from here? The guy brought you a natty, and, and these guys are still battling their asses off for him, knowing that he's gone. Yeah, and I mean, LSU, for as long as I've watched college football, has always been a quarterback away, right? The year they had a quarterback with, with Burrow, they were the best offense in college football history. Now they go to, they go, uh, don't even get me, I mean, I don't, I don't want to kill the kid. I don't want to kill Johnson. That might be the worst starting quarterback I've seen in like the SEC in like 10 years. Every time I bet on LSU, now granted they covered, I get that, but like before all this, before, you know, when he was starting, I guess he started last year too. Every time I turn on the game and bet LSU, I'm expecting Joe Burrow to walk through the doors and then they just win. And you get this fucking little limped arm shithead, Brad Johnson's kid. Now, Granted, we fucking hate Brad Johnson because of what, what he did to, to, to the Eagles with the Bucks, But then to watch his stupid fucking son hold on the ball for 10 seconds as if, like, the guy's going to run run free from, like, an Alabama corner. The guy's got no anticipation. He's got no clock in his head. He, he's got cement feet. I don't know how this guy's playing college football, let alone at LSU. No, nah, it was tough to watch. I mean, Alabama gifted them so many chances to – uh, to win that game or tie that game and, and be competitive in that game uh, and and just give it away. And, and every time that kid dropped back, uh, Bama just dialed up the pressure. He held on the ball way too long, even on the plays where, the, where there wasn't pressure. And he had a weak arm. He wasn't confident. He was completely shook, and he just wasn't made for that moment. And, and it was a shame because Alabama tried to gift, gift them that game. Um uh, what 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 can you do? I mean, any anything else from the Saturday slate that that stood out, or you want to talk well, about the, the only thing? You know, yeah. I was I unfortunately I killed uh, 
you know, Mr. Johnson there. He does remind me of another Southpaw. I don't know if you I don't know if you know who this is. I'm just gonna throw the picture up. Throw it up. Let's see. Keep in mind this guy. When I heard SEC South Paul Bum, I kind of thought of like, remember that that Jared Lorenzen guy that was like a like a refrigerator that played quarterback for Kentucky? Yeah, well, R.I.P. That guy could play. All right, we're definitely we're definitely gonna cut that. R.I.P. He's dead. Didn't um, realize he was dead. This guy, do you know who this guy is? Zach Mills. Total fucking stiff. They kept Michael Robinson on the bench for that guy. <laughs> For like two or three years. Yeah, and you know LSU's got a Michael Robinson standing right there waiting. Why is Johnson playing? Gosh. Yeah. No. But no, I mean, nothing, nothing too crazy to take away from the weekend. Obviously, Sparty going down is the big thing, and the other contenders looking looking pretty bad, and and not making the kicks better for themselves. Um. So it'll be interesting to see see how they rank it on Tuesday night. But maybe we should rank it first again. Let's do it. All right. You let off last week. I'm leading off this week. And we had our gripes with, with the rankings and, and our thoughts. Um, but we're just going to keep plugging here, and, and we'll see what happens. And maybe Bomb will go off on Instagram again about the rankings this week. Um but after last week, week nine, I had Georgia, Sparty, Bama, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, and Oregon as my top six. And Georgia's obviously staying at number one. No questions asked. Easy enough. Number two, give me the Oregon Ducks at two. Bump them up there. You know what? All those teams in that two through five or six range, whatever it is, they all looked like shit this week. Oregon won in the horrible weather in a rivalry game on the road. Tough, tough environment. They got the job done. And they have the win over Iowa State. Got to keep them above the buck, guys. Give me Oregon at two. Three, I'm going to Cincinnati. They got absolutely fucking robbed in the initial rankings last week. They're probably going to be boxed out no matter what happens the rest of the year. But you know what? Put them in there. They have one of the best wins in the country even though I hate them, even though I think they stink, at Notre Dame. Notre Dame was in the top 10 last week. They'll probably move into single digits this week in the rankings. Give me Cincinnati at three. They've got one of the best wins in the country. Number four, I don't like this team either, but I'm putting them there. The Ohio State Buckeyes, up to four in my rankings. Um, they have the better loss than Alabama. And I look at the, the wins, um, I mean, Alabama, Ohio State, neither team has super impressive wins, but Ohio State has the better loss to the Oregon Ducks. So give me Ohio State at four. I will go next at five, the Alabama Crimson Tide. That was one of the worst performances I've ever seen from Alabama on Saturday night at home against LSU uh, in, in my entire life. As long as I can remember watching Alabama football under Nick Saban, that was atrocious. Um, you look at their loss, they lost to A&M, who's been with a backup quarterback for most of the season. And you look at their wins, there's there's no real good win, no, no signature win. A couple teams were ranked within the top 25 at the time. But they've, they've fallen out of favor. They've beaten Miami, who stinks. Florida, who stinks. 
Mississippi State was their big win. They're up to four losses now. They beat Tennessee and they beat LSU by by a threat. So Bama drops for me, and I'm rounding out my top six with Oklahoma off the bye. Wow. Need to take a fucking breath after that. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I'm just thinking about the rankings last week, and they had Michigan in front of Oklahoma. Like, I honestly didn't really like that. Oklahoma's undefeated. I don't know what big win Michigan has that's really stands out over Oklahoma. Um, and it wouldn't make sense normally for Oklahoma to jump uh, anybody on, on a bye week, especially a team that won. But you got to keep Sparty in front of Michigan. And is is, is Sparty going to stay above undefeated Oklahoma? I'm not sure. So I got Oklahoma rounded out my six there. So just to recap, I'm at Georgia, Oregon, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Alabama, Oklahoma. No, I like it. I mean, I just think the Alabama thing is crazy. I mean, I think that's wild to have them outside. You don't think they're a top four team? No, no. The team I watched Saturday night was not a top four team, and the resume is not top four. <laughs> will they? Will they end up? They'll probably be there Tuesday night, and they they might end up there at the end of the the end of the season. But the resume that they have right they now, they ain't beating Georgia, and and. and and the resume they have right now and the performance I saw Saturday night was not top four. It might not have been top 10. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I, I had uh, just to recap who I had uh, last week. I had Georgia at one, Alabama at two. Felt like I nailed that. Obviously, the committee saw things very similarly. At three, I gave a lot of respect to Cincinnati and their win over Notre Dame. I had Sparty at four. I had Ohio State at five and Notre Dame at six. Um, so uh, hit, hit a couple of uh, obviously these these compared to the uh, to the committee. But again, we're not we're not making picks based off of what we think the committee is going to do. These are our selections. This is G's selection for who That's he right. put in. This is bomb selection for who I'd put in. And you mentioned something. You know, obviously, I'm not going to go through Georgia. They're number one, right? Georgia's one? Yeah, no shit. Of course, right? You mentioned something about a top 10 undefeated team and what they did this week. Do you, do you remember what you said? Top 10 undefeated team, Oklahoma had a bye, Cincinnati won by the skin of their yep. teeth. O Oklahoma had a bye. They looked the least shitty. They're my number two team. Let's go. I rock it up. Um, I, 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 uh, I just think you need to, you need to understand. So obviously I didn't have in the top six, but with Sparty going out and them losing and, uh, and how Alabama looked and how Cincinnati looked, I think you can reorient the top four. So Sparty drops out. Oklahoma's up to two. I think that bye week's going to do them a lot of good. I think the the quarterback has rejuvenated that team. The question, as it always is, are they going to be able to play defense? Of course they're not going to be able to play fucking defense, right? But they're a top four team. They're number two. Uh, number three, uh, I'm dropping the Crimson Tide to three. Uh, anytime you beat LSU in a night game, I don't care if it's at home. I don't care if it's on the road. 
That's a well-earned win. LSU has absolute athletes on the field if they could just find a quarterback. But Alabama got it done. They got the win. And at four, uh, I had them at three last week. Uh, I'm putting Cincinnati. I think you got to give them respect. They're winning in, um, albeit kind of uh, skinnier teeth type of type of ways, but they have a great win against Notre Dame. My number five team, uh, Ohio State's coming out. Oregon, number five. I watched that Ohio State Nebraska game, and I thought to myself, Nebraska's so bad, and they, and they had them. They had them beat. I mean, Ohio State looked awful, and I know, I know uh, Wilson was out, the, the wide receiver, but it's not like Ohio State doesn't have wide receivers. I mean, they got like five other wide receivers. Yeah, they're not lacking in that department. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. got some time on Saturday, right? Yeah, I mean, you, you could you could put a chair out there and he'd and he'd get open because of the the plethora of receivers that they have in the other positions. So, um, I, I got I got Ohio State dropping out of the top six for bombs rankings. And Oregon coming in at five. And at number six, holding steady, beating a, a Navy team that that can, um, you know, sometimes give people fits with, uh, you know, with the triple option. I, I still have Notre Dame, man. I mean, I think I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame is at six. I think if they win out, I still think they get in. I mean, who are you going to put in? They, they lost to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a good team. If Cincinnati goes undefeated and Notre Dame wins out to finish with one loss, are you going to keep both of them out? Or are you going to keep one of them out? Because Notre Dame is a national brand. No different than if Alabama finished with one loss. This year's not the year. They're going to have to win the SEC in order to finish with one loss. But if Alabama didn't win the SEC and they were with one loss to end the season, they would go in. Absolutely. Like year after year. Because they're a national brand. People want to see them. Everyone knows they're good. Same with Notre Dame. Notre Dame finishes with one loss. They're going in. So... If they finish one loss and Cincinnati finishes undefeated, how do you how do you keep Cincinnati out? You can't. No, they absolutely can't. So I got uh, just to recap: I got uh, Georgia, I got Oklahoma, I got Alabama, I got Cincinnati, Oregon, and Notre Dame. And if you notice for the um, for the the two v three game, Oklahoma versus Alabama, we we've seen you know that that before. Um, but that uh, that one v four game, Georgia versus Cincinnati, the last team that gave Georgia a game, Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bearcats and the Peach Bowl, baby. I mean, I don't know how you keep these guys if they keep winning. The last team that gave Georgia a game, Cincinnati. That's a great point. I actually have it have it in the notes here. I mean, to to add on to the to the win at Notre Dame is one of the best wins in the country this year. Was they they gave Georgia all they could handle last year in the Peach Bowl, and and that's the closest game Georgia's played in eleven months. So something to keep an eye on would be would be a hell of a rematch. Probably wouldn't end the same way, but the storylines going in would be awesome. Um, and then I I also like Notre Dame. Uh, I I think they're they're piecing together a pretty solid year. They blew out Wisconsin. Obviously have the loss to Cincinnati, um, and kind of just taking care of business ever since the loss. So I, I, I got to give them their, their due there. Um, I'd have them at seven if, if we kept going and you know who I'd have, who I would have at eight and who I wouldn't sleep on. If things get really crazy in this playoff race, don't say it. Texas A&M don't oh. sleep on the Aggies and the 12 right now. They have one of the, they have one of the best wins against Bama and you know, 
they they had the quarterback issues and the injury. They could they could build that case with the committee because the committee is always fishing for some storyline to make to make something happen. And Jimbo Fisher's a high profile guy. Get him in. That's a good team. A lot a lot of athletes, a lot of talent. They went out and things get crazy. They have one of the best wins on the resume. I'm not saying it's gonna happen. I'm saying they're gonna they're gonna get into the top ten of the rankings and the if things get crazy, they're in the mix. So let's let's talk through that for a second here because you have the last two loss team that was considered was a two loss Penn State Big Ten champion. The only way A and M can get to the SEC title game is if Bama loses another game, no? Yeah, but Bama still has, I believe, uh Arkansas who's no slouch this year, and they also have Auburn. And then they have, like, New Mexico State this coming week sprinkled in there just, just for that easy bye week practice, get some get some work in to get right. So for argument's sake, let's say let's say uh, Alabama loses to Auburn in the, in the, uh, the Iron Bowl. Let's say A&M represents the SEC West and knocks off Georgia. There are two loss. Have to be in. Two loss SEC champion. Is your one seed still Georgia? No, no, they lost the head to head. No, but what if it's a close loss? Thirty one twenty eight against A and M. There are one loss. A and M's two loss because A and M ain't going to be the, the number one seed in the college football playoff, right? No, yeah, that's a good point. Two losses, but. I think the important point is that if if by some divine miracle they they got to Atlanta and, and beat Georgia, they would have to be in. So Georgia Georgia's in. You're saying A and M's in. Let's assume Notre Dame runs a table. There's a one loss team. Are they in? Let's assume Cincinnati runs a table, undefeated, with a win over Notre Dame. Are they in? There's four. You got Ohio State who can win out with a one one loss to Oregon. Oregon can win out. With their one loss being Stanford, but you know, obviously winning the Pac-12 and beating Ohio State, I mean, would would they dare put in a two-loss Texas A&M, even though they're a conference champion, over a one-loss conference champion or an undefeated Cincinnati? That's the question. I have no idea, but I would love to be on the committee if that shit transpired. What would you do? You'd put A&M in? If A&M runs the table and beats Georgia and wins the SEC championship, they have to be in the college football playoff. The champion of the best conference in college football has to be in the in the college football playoff. And, and a Penn State, so, somewhere, somehow, a Penn State fan, they just shed a tear. Yeah, is that you? <laughs> I know we don't have video here. Are you shedding a tear, Michael? No, no tears. We got a big win this weekend against the Terps and Baby Tua. We're, we're back on track. Baby Tua is a bum. Baby Tua is a bum. He threw a nice pick six to Jair Brown to end the game. I didn't watch a snap of Penn State football this weekend. It was a relief. Good for you. It was a great time. Um, they got the win. No, another day in paradise, I guess. But it, it was truly uh, stress-free, relaxing, and enjoyable to not Watch Penn State, and the reason I missed the game, I have to give him a shout out. One of our one of our listeners, a great friend of mine. I'll just leave it at the mayor. Uh, popped the question, sealed the engagement uh, with his wonderful lady. Yo. So big, big congrats to them, friends of the pod. Um, got gotta give him the shout out. 
Friend of the pod. Congrats, congrats to the mayor, man. That's big news. Big news. What else is big news is Penn State's got Michigan this coming week. Um, you know, I'm not going to get on my soapbox and, and get back on board. but They got everything in front of them still? They got nothing in front of them, but they, they have an opportunity to – to undo the committee's wrong, wrongdoing. I mean, how did the committee put Michigan at seven after they lost to Michigan State? Like, I don't know what they're going to do Tuesday night, but Michigan can't be in the picture. They stink. They don't have any good wins on their resume. They lost to Sparty, who just lost to Purdue. Penn State at home, noon Saturday. Nits minus one. Whoa. Hey, now. Whoa, I didn't know that. So I, I can root for Penn State to spoil their, their season at least. You I have get, to. I can get behind that. You have to. You you absolutely have to. Um, so then Michigan would have two losses, one to Penn State, one to Michigan State. They still have Ohio State in front of them. And then really if Michigan beats Ohio State, Big Ten's cooked, right? If If they If Penn State wins and then – Michigan beats Ohio State, Big Ten's cooked. Yeah, any any two losses in the Big Ten is cooked. Wow. I would welcome that, though. I don't care if the Big Ten makes the playoff. I don't believe that, though. No, I'm not. No. Who cares? Oh, I want to see my conference in the playoff. Who cares? Well, the SEC fans do. Every You ever notice every fan, every, every fan in the SEC that's not a fan of Alabama, they chant, they chant, SEC. SEC. I guess. Yeah, that's just not me. Like, I don't like Ohio State, and they're the only team that ever makes it from the Big Ten. I, I could go without watching the college football playoff this this holiday season without seeing the fucking Buckeyes. Wow. Fair enough. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens Tuesday night with the rankings. We'll uh, we'll respond. Maybe uh, Maybe go off on the Instagram again or... Just see how our picks and rankings stack up with with the so-called expert, all the so-called experts, excuse me, all these uh, athletic directors of of random ass schools that probably only watch their own teams play like for a half. And then they go over to the to the volleyball game and then they trot over to the soccer game and and the field hockey game and so on and so forth. They're, They're the people that are on this committee. I think it's questionable. I, th- I think we need to lobby for guys that sit on their couch from 11.30 a.m. To, to about 1 a.m. on Saturday and take it all in. Yeah, I can I can definitively say that I watch more football than any athletic director in the country. Bomb for the committee. I mean, think of it, right? If they're at their game, they're tailgating, they're meeting with alumni, they're going to... Vo- like, who's sitting there watching Coastal Carolina on a Thursday night? Not them. Oh, God, no. No, they, they like I said, they watch a little bit of their team. They talk to the people, the alumni and, and the boards and the trustees and the donors, and they, they show their face at, at the basketball game and the soccer game. And Come on, man. They're not watching more football than us. Yeah, you really bring – you do bring up a good point, like – that's just not questioned. Like the idea that we have this committee and oh, by the way, they're all like athletic directors at like, <laughs> like you know, the big football powerhouse schools. <laughs> like, are you, are you kidding me? It's all about the money, man. 
think that's all. I think that says all you need to know. They'll, they'll, yeah. Because the way they set up the rankings too, like they know Oklahoma has big games and, and tough opponents ahead, so they could jam them down at eight and know that they can run it up. They put Cincinnati at six and all the one losses in front of them. Like they, they know exactly what they're doing just to build the cash, generate that revenue. My thing is, it's just not consistent. They don't, I don't think they grade teams the, equally across the board. I think there's a lot of that and, and they'll deny it. I think there's a lot of the looking ahead and saying, all right, well, if they take care of their business, we can then move them up and act like we did something. I think there's a lot of that. There's no like, I don't, I don't, I really don't think they do a good job of like capturing the top four teams at the moment, particularly around this time of year. I agree. Well, that's why we're here. We're letting everybody know. That's right. Uh, have to. Yeah, we have to. This is it's our civic duty. But shut it down on the college front. We'll see what the rankings bring Tuesday. We'll see what uh, – I guess we'll be up to what, week 11, week 12? I don't know. Something like that in college this weekend and fire out some more picks. I got to I gotta get plugging on NFL, Bomb. I went two and three. I think I'm sitting at five or six under 500, but a lot of football left, baby. I'm going to get there. No, you and me both, man. It's been a it's been a, a long slide from the hot start. Still hanging around five hundred. But man, we're getting into that time of year where we we've watched a ton of football. Thanksgiving's coming up. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to get a little bit of uh fear. Fear that football is almost over. We're like what? Don't halfway? say it. Don't we're say it. <laughs> We got th- three months, three months. Once you're scarfing down that Thanksgiving turkey, man, that's when you know, like, oh, this, this is as good as it'll be. When you get that Saturday in December NFL game, you know you know the game I'm talking about? Yep. Like that Saturday, that's when you go, oh, no. Oh, fuck, it's almost over. Say it ain't so. Yeah, we got a full month, man. Take advantage of it here in November, fellas. Yeah, we gotta enjoy it for what it is, cause man, I mean the the winter gets uh, it gets long and cold after that first week of February. But but hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have two spring teams, maybe three to root for. But the ones that are active right now, you got the Flyers, off to a six two and two star through ten games. I, I'd say I'm I'm pleased, you know, continue to improve, get Hayes back, get Ellis back, and then you got the Sixers. They won what six in a row? They're up to eight and two. Um, a little bit of, uh, complications or, or trouble with, with the report on Embiid Monday and, and COVID and I think Toby is, is on the list as well. So going to be shorthanded for a l- little bit here and, but at least they find Ben Simmons. So some good things happening for, for our winter teams and, and hopefully that'll, that'll keep carrying us through this, this long winter that we're about to embark on. But until then it's all gas and it's all football. And uh, I think that's all I got. You don't want to uh, fill the guests or f- fill the um, fill the listeners in on some big podcast guests, and not not the one you're thinking of. Uh, I'm thinking of the one that that you were hobnobbing with over at uh, none other than Lulu Country Club. Do we have a couple guests coming on? No guests coming on for, from from that uh, from from that day or that encounter, but. No, good time. Good time Friday. Uh, the Spit Chicklets guys, uh, Ryan Whitney and, and Paul Bissonette, 
from Barstool and, and Biz is on TNT now doing the uh, the national show on Wednesday nights. But they were over there Friday filming a uh, a content piece with Todd Fedoric and Joe Watson, former Flyers. Um, Watson still standing from those Stanley Cup teams in the 70s. Um, but yeah, was yucking it up with them. A couple drinks on the course and, and following them around on the card and, and heckling and, and got a couple pictures. Uh, super approachable guys really seem down to earth. I mean, they carry on a little bit on the golf course with the, with the partying and the chirping. Um, but I mean, that's, that's more than welcome at, at Lulu country club. If you'd ask anybody, right. Yeah. I just, I just want the listeners to know, I mean, uh, here you have a guy in, in G who, who follows guys who play golf. I was out there mucking and grinding on the course myself playing like absolute ass. Um, but I'm out there to compete. Okay, G's out there to watch. He's out there to, you know, watch the guys who have their own podcast. I'm out there to compete, okay? And uh, I I would have loved to have had them on as a guest and uh, talk about their experience, but uh, I think think G was just in it for the picture. In it for the picture? Come on, man. (laughs) That's tough. (laughs) I mean, I I got the picture. It wasn't the first time I met him. I I got another picture with him. (laughs) <laughs> nah, come on man you gotta invite them on for a segment yeah maybe maybe the next time they come to philly i did i did mention that i, I made a, a small wager uh with biz we were chirp chirping on the tee box and, and i said if the flyers flyers win the cup you, you you do a you come back to philly and you do a fan bagger piece with me and and, and maybe you bomb Maybe, wow. maybe maybe if you stop ripping on me and and they actually take take us up on that, I'll bring you out instead of somebody else. <laughs> I'll think about it. Oh, but Flyers to win the cup's a long shot anyway. But yeah, nah, it was <laughs> it was it was good jabbering and, and good times and, and and cool to see them and, and cool that they picked pick, picked Lulu. Um, yeah. Did you get any intel on why that why that happened? A, a member at Lulu is a friend of Whitney's. Ugh. He's like our foot joy guy. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. Damn! Now you got me talking about that. I wanted to say something else, but I can't think of what it is. Oh, you're out there competing. I'm on IR. I'm he- I'm, <laughs> I- I'm I'm headed to get an MRI this week. <laughs> MRI to the doc. We're gonna find out what's going on with this goddamn back. I'm gonna get it right, and uh, we'll blame the lack of success this year on the back. Can't can't make the full turn. It's Oh no, you can't. Oh, you're, you're not. No, I'm a bum. So, would you say? I mean, what would you say? Are you done for the year? I got. I got to see what they say after this MRI and and going over it with the doc. But I I would think so. I mean, what are you mentally prepared for here? Because when I when I went to the doc and got the MRI on the uh, on the shoulder, my biggest fear was they that. Basically, the MRI said absolutely nothing, and the doctor just looks you dead in the eyes and says, yeah, there's nothing structurally wrong with you. You're just a fucking pussy. Um, I guess w- what's going through your mind as you, as you, you go through the, the tube, so to speak, and you know, wh- what are you looking for, for in terms of news from the doc? I'm looking for like some sort of muscle issue, nothing serious. Go over the MRI. They they diagnose. They say here's what's wrong. We're gonna send you to PT. 
when PT gets me right, I, I stick to the plan, keep it going when PT's done and I'm right and I'm back in full force. I'm I'm certainly not mentally prepared to, to go into the doc and have her say, Oh, you need to get surgery or you need to have injections in your back. I'm sure as shit not prepared to fucking hear that. Now, what if they tell you um, we have a serious problem here with your spine? It appears super stiff. Would you would you then tell him that you're stiff, or what would what would be the response? Say, Doc, I, I've been a, whole, a stiff my whole life. It took me <laughs> 29 and a half years to finally come to grips with it and, and address it, and that's why I'm here. <laughs> so if you could please get me right, um, any insights and, and direction would be appreciated. You know what I think the back issues are? What's that, Doc? I think you spend too much time putting. Could be. You got that little tiny spider putter. Uh, is it the right height? Maybe you need the Adam Scott, the the chest putter. Nah, I can't be a chest putter guy. I roll it good, man. <laughs> I do spend a lot of time putting, but it pays off. Yeah, well, you're all hunched over the ball. I feel like it's not good for the back. Maybe you should uh, spend a little less time putting. I have, dude, I haven't been putting or doing anything. I haven't touched a club in three or four weeks. I played, played one round middle October, and that's been it since. The perfect practice is rolled up. We're not a – there's a free plug for them. Not getting any work in. Man, it hurts. Just hoping we get good news this week, that's all. When's the, uh, when's the appointment? MRI's Tuesday. Go over with the doc Friday. We're going to get an update next week in terms of availability. We'll get an update next week in terms of availability. Um, you know, typically throw, throw a small event together uh, around Thanksgiving time. Playing status is TBD. Uh, attendance is 110% as always. I'll be there. There's a, uh, a special guest of ours who's going to be on the pod to talk basketball in the coming weeks. Mid-major Matt also wants to join. Um I think he's actually out of guest passes at Lulu. He's played the maximum. He's going to have to take it up with Rusk. <laughs> Should we shut it down? Shut it down. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, as always, give us a follow on the gram. And if you're enjoying the show, give us a, uh, a subscribe or a like, a rating on uh, Spotify, Apple. Give us favorite. something. Give us something. Throw us a fucking bone. Um, but yeah, on your favorite podcast app, um, shout out to our friends at Menard premium detailing new sponsor snuck that one in there last week. Uh, great, great guy over there. Grant got to give him a shout out and it's good to be that time of year. You know, that the weather coming, the, the rain, the slush, the snow, the salt grant will hook you up, save your car from all that bullshit. So go check out grant Menard premium detailing and uh big thanks to shamrock sun as always. We'll talk to everybody next week. Take care of yourselves. Peace.